Hey, what's up, you guys, and welcome back to the Televised Podcast. My name is Anna, and today um, I'm coming to you with a bonus episode about this show that I just binge-watched on Netflix. It's called Teenage Bounty Hunters. It is phenomenal when I tell you that it is so good. I loved it. And I wanted to talk about it because I, it just, it lives in the same, like, place in my mind as, as so many, um, of, like, my other favorite, like, teen kind of shows and movies that have come out over the past couple of years. And I just really wanted to share it because it, I don't know, it may, it was, it's, it was just, like, such a fun, uh, easy, binge over like I watched it over like two days I think three days um it's only 10 episodes it's it's so good it's it's great and I just wanted to share it because I I hadn't I mean I've seen people talk about it on my Twitter timeline which is actually how I even really found out about the show I don't normally look at like Netflix's originals I'm normally not like a person that watches Netflix originals very much um but this one I I did because <laughs> I I saw it on the on my Twitter timeline. Everybody was talking about it. Every everybody was talking about um, Staple. <laughs> so needless to say, I did not go into this show blind. But I I did go in kind of really not knowing what to expect, um, which is is great. Uh, so you know if you if you haven't seen it yet, go watch it and then come back. I'll give you a quick spoiler-free little discussion, really quick, uh, and then, then you gotta co- then you gotta go watch it, and then you have to come back. <laughs> um, so basically, it, the premise of the show it's it's like I said, it's called Teenage Bounty Hunters, and this the show is about two girls, two twin girls, Sterling and Blair Wesley, and they kind of after uh, a night of hooking up with their boyfriends outside of their Catholic school or Christian school, whatever, um, they get into a car accident and accidentally stumble into a life of bounty hunting with this man named Bowser. And the show is is great. It's about how they're trying to balance bounty hunting with with school and also just kind of like reflections of themselves. Like there's a lot of like self- uh, reflection I guess there's a lot of discussion because it's it's based in Georgia so it's based in like white rich privileged Christian Georgia and Atlanta and it's just it's such a cool um way to like kind of look at that area and it's one thing that was really striking to me is that it was so poignant um especially about the the times that we're living in right now because there was a whole episode about a girl who was running around and this isn't really necessarily a spoiler <laughs> there was an episode about a girl running around chopping heads off of confederate statues and i'm like god when would the when was this show written because it just it feels like this past summer and that's something that's really cool is is obviously you know the the things that have been happening this past summer are not new but it just, it was, it, it feels like the show was released at just like just the right time to be so relevant and yet also, you know, and not necessarily like, um, like not, because uh, sometimes when you try to make things too relevant, it, do, it doesn't 
necessarily work because you're like oh my god I understand this was written two years ago you know but this like show somehow managed to be like literally of this time even though I'm sure it was written you know last year or maybe even the year before and it was just it's so good and I just uh, totally recommend it it's so great and and um, if, even if you're not, like, a super religious person, it's, it's more of, like, a commentary on, kind of, Christianity and stuff. I think it's, it's really cool because the main characters, Sterling and Blair, have a, have a really interesting relationship with religion and kind of how it plays into their lives, which is really fun. So, I think, um, I think it's absolutely worth a watch. If, if you have, you know, a day, or two. You could probably get this knocked out in a day. I am a slow binger, so I had to take like two or three days, <laughs> but you could get this show knocked out in a day, and it is phenomenal. It's so good, and oh, god, that finale. I'm going to talk about it later, but the finale is everything. It is so good, and it's it's cool, too, because it's got like a mystery. There's, it's, it's great. It's such a great show. It's, it's so good. Anyway, I'm going to kind of start talking about spoilers right now. Um, like I said, if you haven't seen the show, please go watch it, but if you have, please stick around, and I'm going to talk about some of my favorite things that I noticed about the show while I was watching it. I'm not necessarily maybe going to go into, you know, uber specifics about every single episode, but I just wanted to talk about some things that made me really love this show. Um, Because not every single show that I watch, I talk about on my podcast, so (laughs) if if the show inspired me to to talk about it, uh, there has to be a reason, so I'm going to kind of go through that. One Okay, so starting at the pilot, there's a moment in the pilot <laughs> that I think everyone probably was like, whoa, wait, 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 wait a damn minute, what is happening? There's a moment where Sterling and Blair have this like twin telepathy and they're literally talking to each other. Well, it's like they're, t- they're talking to the camera, but they're talking to each other and no one else can hear them. So they're, you know, they are communicating via like twin telepathy. And I was so thrown by this because I was like, what? What kind of show is this? And it's kind of crazy because it's not, there's nothing else like supernatural about the show. There's nothing else like kind of crazy about the show. I mean, obviously it's about teenagers who become bounty hunters, so it's not totally grounded in reality. But I was like so thrown by that. I was like, what am I watching? (laughs) But it's, it's crazy because it works. It works so well, the, like, twin telepathy thing. It works so well because when you have these two main characters, y- you know, you're not necessarily going to um, understand, like, all of each of their, like, struggles that they're going through, especially internally. And it makes a really cool opportunity for a lot of, like, dramatic irony where obviously the audience is clued in to how Sterling and Blair are feeling and what they know and what they're talking about and what they're doing but it you know uh the characters the rest of the characters have no idea and so I think that's really it it, it's a really cool thing and I just was not expecting it from from this show especially um and this is where we kind of get into heavy spoilers but especially 
after that twist at the end, you're like, wait a minute, they're not even twins. So like, what? how are they doing this? And then, of course, you find out that uh, the mom, uh, Debbie and Dana, yeah, <laughs> um, that they're twins and that Dana is Sterling's mom. And so they have the twin telepathy thing. But I'm just like, w- w- wait, like then how how are Sterling and Blair doing that like it's just it's so cool it's (laughs) it's it's so cool and it also presents a really cool conversation about what being sisters means and I think that that is something that could be obviously explored in a season two um and you know really in depth because (laughs) you know Sterling and I'm jumping way ahead of myself but like Sterling finding out that she's not even Blair's twin like they thought that they had like shared the womb you know like and they have this twin telepathy and it just brings up so many more questions than answers and it obviously I mean it's gonna make her question her relationship with Blair and and make her question her relationship with her parents and probably make her question herself just as a person because you know your whole identity is like just shattered in that moment when you find out that your mom is not your mom like (laughs) what and you're not even twins which is again like something that has been um your reality for your whole entire life and like I said then how come you can do the twin telepathy thing even though you're not twins it's crazy but um (laughs) but I thought that was a really interesting aspect to the show that I wasn't expecting at all I was like this is insane I what (laughs) Um, so one thing about the show that I also love is that it is endlessly funny. It is so funny. And one thing that is cool to me is that I think it lives in the same world for me as, like, Booksmart. Um, and I don't mean, like, they're part of the same universe. Like, that's not what I mean. But I mean, like, in the sense that they're both these, like, teenage comedies like coming of age kind of stories and they both understand like gen z humor so well like booksmart understood it so well and so does teenage bounty hunters the way that they are able to because it's listen it's hard to make a show for teenagers when you're not a teenager so it's really cool to watch uh, both Booksmart and Teenage Bounty Hunters and see the the ha- how they're able to connect to that younger audience and without making it feel like cringe or like they're trying to push too hard because it is hard to understand like a humor of a different of an entirely different like generation than you you know like I'm a part of Gen Z and like the humor is weird. Like have you ever been on TikTok? Like <laughs> it's uh, people post videos of a Dorito chip sitting in a bathtub with Mr. Brightside playing in the background and it has like a million likes because it's just funny. <laughs> and it's just funny because both of these pieces of media have somehow managed to like capture that kind of humor obviously without being like oh look here's a Dorito in a bathtub you know it's not like directly but it's it's in a way that feels consumable and accessible and relatable to this younger audience which is so cool and and it feels like both of these shows truly understand 
kind of the the mindset of our generation especially like looking through the eyes of like Blair and Sterling who are both you know they're both growing up in this really republican really christian area but you know they have like all of you know they're both clearly very like liberal and stuff and and (laughs) they even have scenes where Blair starts fights with her grandpa which is something that I wouldn't do but my sister would do (laughs) I'm definitely more of a sterling like just leave it alone please just leave it alone I don't want to talk about it (laughs) but um and I kind of see that also with Molly and Amy from Booksmart where you know they're even though that even though that takes place in a totally different area you know it's it's just it's so cool how how those kinds of characters are captured and how they feel so relatable and so real and these people feel like people that you would know even though they're very heightened and and you know uh uh different to maybe how anybody would ever be in real life but <laughs> you know they just feel like people that you could actually like hang out with and talk to and they they just feel real you know which is so something so cool Um, So another thing that I wanted to talk about was how this show subverts stereotypes, which is also something that happens in Booksmart so much, and I think is part of the reason why both of those uh, pieces of media, and I promise I'll stop talking about Booksmart soon, um, how both of those pieces of media kind of uh, go above and beyond their teenage genres, because a lot of the times teenage shows they rely on stereotypes and they rely on these like archetypes and these assumptions that we all have they just rely really heavily on that like look at pretty little liars it's like oh they had the gay one the pretty one the dumb one the smart one and the you know and the missing one (laughs) so you know you have all of these like archetypes and stereotypes that these teen shows really rely on to connect in kind of like a lazy way to people, you know? Um, So I think it's really cool that Teenage Bounty Hunters was able to take all of, basically all of their characters and subvert everyone's expectations of them, basically. I mean, uh, one of the most, like, one of the biggest examples of this is Miles. Just Miles as a character. Because, you know, you see him for the first time and he works at the country club and he, you know, is like black and he's working at this like scary uh republican white man country club place and and (laughs) you know even like Blair Blair assumes that okay well you're working here because you're not rich and and this and that and whatever but then later we find out that his mom is like the senator and his dad like is owner of a bank or something and he's like crazy stupid rich Uh, like richer than than Blair and Sterling and it's just crazy because it's like whoa 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 and Blair is even like you said your mom worked two jobs and he's like yeah she's a senator and she's something else I can't remember but it was just so funny because it's like oh shit you know like he totally flipped that stereotype on its head especially because we saw Blair being so uncomfortable having him uh around her house because she was like oh my god I don't want him to think that I'm like stuck up and rich and bratty and stuff even though he's like richer and and 
you know, than her. It was just a moment where it was really cool to see that stereotype be subverted. As well as uh, later in the, I think in the finale or maybe episode nine, I can't remember, but one of those like last two episodes, Blair uh, shows up at Miles's house and he's, you know, she's gonna profess her love for him and she does at family dinner and he's got like a million butlers and the house is crazy and and his mom turns to him and 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 she says who is this and she's like crushed Blair is just like crushed because she's like you didn't even tell her about me and he's like listen Blair your parents are white republicans my mom is a democratic senator I'm not trying to tell her that I'm sleeping with the enemy (laughs) and that is so funny because it it subverts the stereotype of because most of the time with like shows or movies or whatever it always has to be like the the black boyfriend who sneaks around the republican parents but he was always at blair and sterling's house he was always there and and even though there was obviously that awkward interaction with uh her mom with debbie about about diversity and and different cultures um it was he was never like hidden there she never made the effort to hide him it was actually him hiding her which again was another like way to flip these stereotypes on on its head and surprise maybe not surprise but you know to tell the viewers that this is a different kind of reality that you know, contrary to what we see on TV most of, most of the time, you know? So that was really cool. Um, (laughs) another point about Blair that I wanted to make is that, (laughs) so obviously I said at the beginning that on my Twitter timeline, I was seeing things about gays in Teenage Bounty Hunters and I was like, okay, I mean, I'm down. And, uh, (laughs) when I first started watching the show, I was like, Blair's gay. <laughs> She's the gay one. <laughs> uh, because obviously in the first episode, you see Sterling boning her boyfriend in the parking lot and, and Blair doesn't actually do it. Um, and also Blair just, uh, and not to be stereotypical, but the way that Blair dresses... <laughs> is just like she's you know kind of the outsider she's like looks very like alt um you know and that kind of uh style and and uh, to be that at a catholic or christian sorry whatever uh school it's just it brings up things you're like hmm and also they drop some clues uh, <laughs> I promise this didn't just come out of the fact that I looked at her and I was like, yeah, gay. Uh, (laughs) At at one point in the show, um, Blair is talking to Jennings and she's trying to fall in love with Jennings. And even that storyline is like, come on, that's gay. You try to make yourself fall in love with this man, like, because of heteronormativity. (laughs) But... Uh, so she's trying to fall in love with Jennings and she, uh, he says, you know, you're like the prettiest girl in school. And she's like, you too. (laughs) He is also the prettiest girl in school. Um, and then later when she's with Miles, which is kind of when the, the suspicion starts, uh, teetering off (laughs) for sure. Uh, 
but she had brought a wig to go stalk her mom uh, to see what what the hell her mom was up to. And uh, Miles was so bored of watching her mom just sit there. So he's like, you know what, I'm going to go. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. But we didn't even get to the part where we got to be spies and we got to bang. And he's like, okay, well, what about tomorrow? (laughs) And she's she's like, okay. And he's like, but bring the wig. And she's like, only if you wear it. And it's like, come on. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's gay. (laughs) But I thought that was cool that they took... um, you know, the, all of these stereotypes, all of these, like, little clues and stuff, and they fully, like, were like, nah, not that one. You got the wrong one. <laughs> because then we go on to Sterling, who, and even Blair says it, she just looks and and is the kind of girl who would be married by, like, 23 and pregnant at 25 or 24 or whatever you know, like, who would just, like, go to, like, a, a a nice state college, meet a nice boyfriend, probably her high school boyfriend, and get married and have kids, and that's just, like, the, the stereotype of kind of what you, like, she's got the cardigans, she's got the blonde hair, she's just, like, innocent, she doesn't curse all that much, you know, it's, it's <laughs> just kind of, like, the image that, like, comes up when you think of her, you, everybody knows a Sterling. Everybody knows someone like Sterling in their, in their neighborhood, in their community. And it's just so funny then for that episode where (sighs) it's the debate episode and it's so, it's great. It's so good. But when, (laughs) because they're talking about how, you know, she's never had an orgasm before. And (laughs) then she finally has one when she's thinking about April yelling at her and like grabbing her arm. That's insane. <laughs> that was literally insane. My jaw was like on the floor. I was like, what? What? Oh my God. It was insane. But it was, it, again, it was another moment where it was like these expectations and these stereotypes were subverted. And now, you know, she can have like femme, femme struggles because <laughs> everyone will always assume she's straight. and another character that they also kind of subverted uh those expectations with is april who and i'm gonna bring up booksmart just one more time reminds me of hope in booksmart um which was amy's love interest in the movie um and she was like the bully and she was mean and she was horrible uh she wasn't republican that's (laughs) that's just april but uh Uh, definitely kind of have the same vibes where your expectations of this character are so subverted because of how April acts towards Sterling once they start becoming a thing. Like, when you see them doing, like, the, like, the kisses into the phone, like, that is crazy. (laughs) That character just did a full, you know, like, 180 and just became someone so soft and so... Uh, you know, and one thing that was that just I cannot I still cannot wrap my mind around is that she's a gay Republican. Why is she Republican? <laughs> it's like mice voting for cats. Like, come on, <laughs> snails for salt. Like, oh my god. But it's just funny, and it's another way that my expectations were subverted because obviously after seeing. In the pilot episode where April was like, yeah, I'm in Young Republicans. I am a part of the straight, straight alliance. (laughs) 
And I was like, oh my god, this girl is insane. And then when they were at the um, the arcade and she was like, yeah, I'm a lesbian. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with it. I, like, I'm cool with God. Like, I was like, wait a damn minute. You mean she's like totally and fully has accepted herself, but she's still like in the straight, straight alliance and she's still in Young Republicans and she, because I was expecting like, not that, not for her to be, like, confident in her, in her sexuality, which is, again, like, another moment where they fully subverted, um, my expectations of this character, and ultimately made a richer character because of it, and that's what's so cool about this show, is that these characters are so, um, they're so rich, and they're so, uh, like, uh, multi-dimensional, and, and interesting, and, uh, like, the way that I'm still thinking about, like, April being a Republican and how it doesn't make any sense to me, but how I can, like, kind of put the pieces together and obviously see that it's part of her upbringing, but also part of her being closeted. You know, there's there's so much uh, there to to kind of break down and, and think about. And especially, like, in this, in our times <laughs> right now, um, you know, to think about people who are in the LGBT community, but also are, like, identify as Republicans or live as Republicans in their area or, like, they don't feel safe uh, to not be a Republican, you know, it's it's, it's kind of interesting to, like, kind of open up minds to those kinds of conversations and those kinds of situations because not everybody, you know, can be liberal and be out and, and proud or whatever. So it's, it was interesting. And I, I, one thing that I really appreciate about the show, one thing that really, uh, you know, kind of cemented it for me as a show that is worth every bit of hype and every minute of watching it over and over and over again. So I loved it. Um, and another thing that I loved is <laughs> also talking about April is kind of the attention to detail that the show has where like, uh, in terms of, uh, building characters without actually telling the audience about what the character is like, you know? Um, uh, like, when April and Hannah B and Ezekiel are standing in the Ross parking lot, which is so funny, but also, like, such a small, I mean, not, not that they live in, like, a small town, but it really feels like one of those, like, Christian community or small towny kind of things. Like, it feels very Midwest for me, because... <laughs> I grew up in, in Indiana, and obviously the the best thing to do on a weekend is go to Target. And you just go, and you hang out at Target. <laughs> and that feels like what they were doing. They were just hanging out in a, like, Ross parking lot. <laughs> but they were, they had uh, branded cups, which is, like, something that, you know, doesn't happen a whole lot. They had Chick-fil-A cups, and I'm like, yeah, that checks out. Of course they eat homophobic chicken. Of course they do. Oh my god. <laughs> but it just, like, adds that other element to this character where I, you know, I make an effort. I haven't eaten Chick-fil-A in, like, two years because I just don't want to and I don't want to support them. But, you know, for this character, when and then when I see that, I'm like, oh, duh, of course she would eat Chick-fil-A. Of course this person would eat Chick-fil-A. This straight, straight alliance young Republicans person would eat Chick-fil-A like every day. <laughs> um, and another thing is like, um, 
Sterling and Blair driving like a hybrid <laughs> to save the environment. And it's, you know, the show didn't have to tell me. I mean, later they they said, you know, during like interactions with their grandpa and stuff like that. Uh, but the show didn't have to tell me that um, that they're liberal or whatever. You just look at the car they're driving. You just look at, you know, different things about them, which is really cool. Uh, that the show, you know, doesn't have to say. You could just show, which is obviously what TV is all about. But sometimes shows don't do that. They they, they don't follow that rule. Um, but this one did, and I love that, like the character building and like kind of the character design, like how they look and how they dress, and and it it was really cool. And especially because it's hard to do that, um, build these kind of characters when you're working within the confines of a school with uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing that is really difficult to to do because everybody there's like four things that your characters can wear <laughs> but it all depends it, it's like you know dependent on how they wear them how they wear their hair what kind of makeup they're wearing and you can still have that individuality even with the school uniforms and I think that's something that's really cool about the show is that even though everybody's wearing the same damn thing, you still understand that Blair is kind of more alt. She's like edgier and she's got the hair and she's got the makeup and and Sterling is like more, um, you know, kind of like sunshine and, and rainbows. Like if they were those two houses, you know what I'm talking about? That one meme where it's like the, the black house, the house that's like painted totally black and then the house that's painted like purple and pink. That's Blair and Sterling. And at school, that can be something that's really hard to convey, but they did it. Like they, they managed to, um, convey that really well. And I thought it was really cool. Um, and one thing that I also loved about the show is that even though the show is about bounty hunting and the char two of the main character, well, three, but two of the main characters are teenagers who are bounty hunters. The still, like, the main drama and the main, like, core of the show and the, like, things that have the highest stakes is, like, the high, is the high school drama. <laughs> Which is so cool because, obviously, that's what high school feels like. And I think that this show, despite how you know, unrealistic the concept is, it show it's like a perfect example of what high school feels like. You have these two characters who can go out on a school night and hunt down a convicted felon who is running from the cops. <laughs> but still, the, the most stressful thing and the thing that they're talking about when they're bounty hunting, the thing that they're thinking about, you know, what's got their attention is what they're going through at school and what they're going through with their peers. I think the perfect example of this is when they caught uh, that guy who was like naked at the motel and he was like, they had to catch him when he was naked. <laughs> and Sterling, immediately after they get him, is talking to his like wife and she's like, well, how, how do I know if I'm like <laughs> into women? <laughs> And that is so funny because she's like, listen, girl, I just, uh, my husband is going to jail and he is naked. I think I, uh, I, I think we shouldn't talk about this. <laughs> but it's great because it's just like, it's really cool and it's a really fun metaphor for how high school actually feels. Because everything feels so heightened. Everything feels so high stakes and feels so insane, even though... The stakes are clearly very high uh, in bounty hunting, like, and I think, 
you know, the finale kind of finally kicked it up to a 10, but it still had those elements of, like, family. You know, when they finally get to that point where Sterling is kidnapped in the finale, it's still not even necessarily about bounty hunting being the highest stakes. It's about, like, you know, all the lies kind of kind of coming to a head and then, um, you know, secrets within a family and how that can tear a family apart and how all of that stress can really impact a, a whole family. So I thought that was really cool. Um, and another thing that they just did so well on the show was the sister relationship between Blair and Sterling. I have a sister and we fight like that and we, uh, get along really well and we talk about everything and it just felt so realistic and so fun um and just such an important relationship to see on television and especially because um obviously later we find out that they're cousins technically like they're not actually twins they're cousins but because of how they were raised and how you know how they were raised to believe that they're twins that's what makes you family just how you're raised and and who you grow up with and what kind of relationship you have it's not about the title it's about um it's about the relationship that that you share and that's something that's really cool um that the show really kind of focused on and i i really appreciated that uh, about the show also shout out to how they would always play female country artists during uh sterling and april scenes i love that um i think the soundtrack for this show was really cool um you know the different music that they were playing and uh the the different music that different characters would listen to it was really like self-explanatory <laughs> And, like, when Blair would listen to that, like, music, like, that, like, heavy metal, like, screamo music that Miles listened to when she missed him, like, that was something that was, like, clearly uh, telling about about Blair's character. And, you know, Sterling, oh my god, when she played, listen, that was insanity. When she played Slow Burn at the party... Oh my god, and (laughs) while April was flirting with Luke, that was insanity. That was insane. That was insane. That is like peak gay drama. That was insane. (laughs) It was so good though, and I just, I loved all the Casey Musgraves that happened in the show. Um, I think there was some uh, Maren Morris in the show, so it was really good. I I loved it. (laughs) I loved the music. I think it, it just, it was really cool. Um, so speaking about the finale a little bit, um, obviously there was a lot of twists and turns and uh, jaw-dropping moments. Like my jaw was literally on the floor. I was like, oh my god. I had no idea and nobody spoiled it for me, which was so cool. I had no idea it was coming. Um, uh, but but uh, one thing that I really did love about the finale was how Sterling knew what to do when she was kidnapped. And that is something that obviously does not happen in media a lot because I don't think people know what to do when they're kidnapped. Um, I listen to a lot of Crime Junkie, which is like one of my favorite podcasts ever. And they always talk about like Crime Junkie life rules and stuff. And this entire sequence of Sterling not making a scene originally, she finally did. And then, of course, it got her her phone thrown out uh, the window um but uh, but after that about how she was like you know what uh, let's stop at the rest stop um <laughs> and she knew exactly how to play her cards cuz the thing that made Dana pull over 
was that she said she was acting like her sister. That is brilliant, because that is exactly... <laughs> that's exactly how you get to somebody. Uh, you say, oh my god, you're acting just like your sister. Or, like, you're acting just like your mom. Like, oh my god, that's the first thing that will make them do exactly not what they're doing. Um, and so, once she got there, she knew that her card was, like, running low. Uh, her checking account was running low. So she just kept swiping it and swiping it and swiping it. And even if, even if the card hadn't been running low, they could have tracked her, her, her credit card statements anyway. So that was really smart uh, to do that and to just like keep swiping, swiping, swiping. And to get that candy that was, that's Blair's favorite, but Sterling hates them. And then to lead into the trail and, and then do the lip gloss in the, oh my God, it was so good. And then uh, just to like, it was really cool because it just felt like a, a how-to, <laughs> not necessarily a how-to, but but kind of like some cool tips for um, if you ever get kidnapped. It just feels like what to do, not not what not to do, but like literally what to do. Like, <laughs> so that was really cool. I really I really liked that. I thought it was really awesome because it it was just it felt really empowering. And you're like, yes, you're doing all the right things. Like, yes, yes, because you know, like horror movies or whatever. Like nobody does any of the right things. So you're like, no, no. Why would you open that door? You know. But with this show, you're like, yes, she's doing everything right. They're gonna catch her. They're gonna do it. It was so cool. And also talking about the finale, I love Bowser. He's my dad. <laughs> the The found family aspect of the show is is so cool, and the way that Bowser, in the middle of him saying that the girls were distracting and that they were annoying and that they were this and they made him soft, then Blair calls him and he picks up immediately. He doesn't even let it ring twice. <laughs> And that was something that was really cool, and it just goes to show, like, how um, important they became in his life, and then also how important he became in their lives. Um, and so that was really awesome. I, I loved I loved that. Uh, and I obviously just, like, love the, the found family aspect of the show with Bowser and Yolanda. And obviously the drama between the two of them was really fun. Uh, so, yeah, I loved that. I loved that. <laughs> and also about the finale just oh my god I had like four moments where my jaw was like on the ground when well first of all when uh April found out or when Sterling found out that April's dad was out of jail and he asked about them because obviously he knew that they were the ones who got him arrested when your uh, kind of girlfriend is the one who put your dad in jail. Ugh, big yikes. Big yikes. <laughs> um, and then also uh, in that moment where Sterling had texted Blair and was like, Hey, I'm with mom. Don't worry about it. And she looks and she Blair reads the text and she says, She says she's with you. And the mom is at home. Oh! god I lost my mind when I tell you that I lost my mind I lost my mind my jaw was on the floor I was like <gasps> everything makes sense now like everything clicked it was so cool <laughs> and then um I also had another obviously jaw drop moment uh when 
they did the twin telepathy with the the uh, aunt and the mom with Debbie and, and Dana. I thought that was so crazy. I'm like, oh my god, they have it too. That's crazy. And when they were talking and I was like, oh, no, because I figured it out. I was like, no, Sterling is her daughter. No. And then she said it. And I was like, no. Oh my god. It's insane. It's insane. It was so good, though. That finale was, like, one of the best finales I've ever seen. It was awesome. It, like, kicked up to a 10. It was, oh, it was so good. And it just, like, wrapped up the mystery so well. Because everything makes sense. And I hope Bowser got to collect that $90,000 reward out on Dana. And I'm like, yeah, come on. Like, the the mom wouldn't do that. (laughs) But I think it's also interesting how they tried to protect Dana, which, I mean, makes sense. But, but come on. If she's, like, so dangerous that she, you, especially because they originally thought when they went to that, when Sterling and Blair went to that town, they originally thought that Dana had kidnapped them in the first place. Like, if you thought she was so damn dangerous, why not just turn her in then? Like, then it had to lead to Sterling actually getting kidnapped, which was insane. Um, But yeah, so I think overall the show is so fun. It's really sex positive. It's really, um, it's like, it's just a perfect teen dramedy to make you feel good. It's like a feel-good show. It's, it's really fun. It's, uh, the representation is, is interesting. (laughs) It, it sure is interesting. <laughs> Blair is great representation. I don't know about April. <laughs> I'm on the fence about April. <laughs> when she stops being a, in in Young Republicans, then I can stand. But until then, she's on thin ice. Um, and you know what? I mean, as much as I do love to joke, and I mean, <laughs> obviously, like joking about April and being a Republican. Um, it really, this show really genuinely is, uh, incredible, uh, representation, which I just, I wanted to, like, kind of make it, make it serious for a moment, and, and kind of talk about that, because, I mean, you know, uh, there's a lot of shows where, um, the characters, the LGBT characters are unbelievably unsure of themselves, and there's a lot of experience, experimenting that happens and there's a lot of hemming and hawing about uh their sexuality and there's a lot of like discovery that goes into all of that and sometimes you know for lgbt people like maybe you know maybe you don't want to (laughs) to experiment or uh go through any of that and you know i think that sometimes you know people get caught up in writing those kinds of stories where you know, the characters really have to, like, figure themselves out, and they have to, you know, they, they don't know, and, and there's no labels put on them, which can be frustrating for viewers, because a lot of LGBT people really rely on labels, uh, to feel seen and understood, and to kind of define themselves, uh, in a way that makes sense to them, which is really important. Um, so for April, uh, for her to say, you know, very firmly, like, there was no storyline of her being like, oh my god, you know, I'm, I'm, I have no idea what's going on, like, it wasn't, what was really cool about April's storyline was that it wasn't a storyline about, uh, April 
denying Sterling because she was scared of herself, like, you know, because she was scared of her her sexuality and her feelings. It was cool because April was really confident in her sexuality and in her feelings, and she even used the word lesbian, which is so cool because that hardly ever happens. Um, and so that's something that I found really, really interesting about the show and something that's really cool about April as a character, and I feel like why a lot of people... Um, you know, really attach themselves to her as a character. Um, and I I don't know, I just, I think that that was such a cool moment, because then the conflict, ultimately, you know, it doesn't come from April's uh, self-hatred or self-loathing or, like, any kind of internalized homophobia or anything like that. It comes from um, external sources, which all, which honestly makes it more heartbreaking, because then you're like, she knows what she wants, and she knows who she wants, and she knows, you know, how, how she wants to be able to act with Sterling, and how she, you know, uh, like, she wants to hold her hand, and she wants to sleep next to her at the, um, lock-in, but she, knows due to like the external factors of her life and of her situation that that just can't happen which just like I said it kind of makes it even more heartbreaking because she's so she's just trapped inside of of the closet basically um and that's something that's really you know uh upsetting about her story and especially uh seeing her during that finale at the party with Luke uh, you know, I mean, it's sad because it's like she knows that she's leading Luke on. Like she knows that she does not have any kind of feelings for Luke. Um, that she said that she's a lesbian. She doesn't like men. Uh, and she's basically just doing that for self-preservation at this point. And it's just really sad. You know, it's such a sad story. And it's definitely something that so many people can relate to. Um, so many people who are closeted, who you know, they just, like, can't be themselves, and, and you just want, like, a little bit of reprieve, and that's what Sterling kind of offered for April, um, but, you know, ultimately, Sterling, on the other hand, you know, she knows what she wants, and she also knows that she's willing to give, necessarily give up everything for it, I mean, not necessarily give up everything, but, but to, she's willing to sacrifice her uh, comfort in the short term for her comfort in the long term, which is something that's really interesting about the two of them as characters and what they, how they look at life, I think. Because I think uh, for Sterling, she saw exactly what happened when she came out as <laughs> not a virgin <laughs> uh, with Luke. And so she saw the effects of that, but she also saw how quickly it kind of dissipated like yes it was horrible it was horrible for poor sterling for so long but she also was able to turn the narrative and twist it and kind of come out of it better and in a better place um and it happened fairly quickly you know relatively speaking for her um so i think she kind of saw that and was like you know that was horrible it was bad it was terrible but i I'm willing to do it again because this is also something that I'm passionate about is that's why I think about Sterling is that she's so passionate about her identity and just being herself and being able to be open about who she is that 
you know, that she is willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that she can have that, that kind of comfort in her life. Um, and I think, you know, it also represents different dynamics that people have in their own homes, which is something that, you know, kind of comes up a lot in the LGBT community, especially with relationships uh, that ultimately kind of fall apart because people just don't have the same uh, level of acceptance within their own lives that it just makes it really difficult to, um, you know, for one person who is like, listen, I know that you're cool hanging out in this closet, but I would rather, like, step out into the light and, uh, you know, be my own person and be honest and be open, and I, I know that I'm willing to put in the work to do that and to put in the pain, uh, like, you know, like, to, to go through the pain of that, and then you have also people like April who are like, you know, the pain is not worth it. I'm living comfortably right now in my closet. Uh, as, and it's kind of reminds me a little bit of like Love, Simon in a way where uh, he was dreaming of college. And I feel like that might be kind of April's mindset as well. I don't know for sure, obviously. But it, it feels like that's kind of something that she... Um, would kind of relate to where she's like, you know, what if I ended up in a college where I could be myself a little bit, you know, because it's, it's something that is so separate from the community that she's growing up in and especially the high school that she goes to. Um, and she even said in the show, she's like, word travels so fast around here. My dad would know like immediately. Uh, and if she, you know, went to a college, like, her dad would never maybe even necessarily find out, which is, you know, something that I think she'd be very interested in, um, which is also something that's just, like, so relatable to so many people, because it's, it's so hard to, to come out, and it's so hard to, uh, deal with, uh, changing people's perceptions of you with just, like, one sentence, and it's crazy because it's, it's so much easier to, like, come out to strangers than it is to, like, come out to people who you love uh, because strangers don't know anything about you and it won't change anything when you tell them. But for somebody who has known you for, like, your whole entire life, like your parents, and for you to tell them something and it just, like, shatters their entire view of you and in their entire view of, like, your future potentially it's just so crazy and so scary. So, I don't know. I have a lot of admiration for April as a character, and I also have a lot of admiration for Sterling as a character, and I think it's really interesting to see them kind of have these different views. And, and of course, there's really, honestly, no right or wrong, necessarily, either in this, in the, in, in their story, which is something that is also really interesting. Um, just because it's like, you know, you you can understand so very clearly where April's coming from. And you can't fault her for changing her mind either. And the same thing with um, uh, Sterling, where it's like, yeah, you understand where she's coming from as well. Um, and it's also, you know, you can't push her. You can't, like, Sterling can't push April to come out because that's not fair to April. But also, April can't hurt Sterling on purpose because that's not fair to Sterling either and so it's just such an interesting uh relationship and dynamic that they have and if 
hopefully when uh when there's a season two i hope that in seeing their relationship kind of go further i i really genuinely hope that because there's so much at this point to resolve there's so much like left to resolve there's you know in their own relationships and then obviously sterling's whole world just got like torn apart and then like there's just so much that has happened from the moment that sterling left the lock-in to uh, you know where we, where i assume that we would pick up for season two that it's going to be really interesting to see how if they could even like mend their relationship because there's just so much there's so many questions that you know are kind of like left up in the air it's like well there's also the issue of how sterling was the one who put april's dad in prison in the first place and it's just it's like there's so much to uh there's so much to their relationship that there's so many questions that are unanswered and there's so many like what ifs and so many um things where i don't know if their relationship could like last beyond some of these things especially like the putting the dad in prison thing like that was bad (laughs) and now potentially you know april kind of hinted that obviously she didn't know that but her dad had asked about the two of them like hello he obviously knows who got him put in prison so is that who's gonna be the villain of the next season like and is it gonna be a thing where it kind of reminds me of Supercorp in a way where it's like you know obviously Lillian Luther is like after Supergirl and Lex Luther is after Supergirl but Lena Luther is on like team Supergirl like would April give up her team stevens for to be on sterling's side like that's a question that i think remains so heavily within um within the show and within their relationship dynamic which is so interesting and it it makes their relationship so um uh interesting to watch and also just like uh interesting to think about and and uh speculate on for a potential season two um which is really i'm hoping (laughs) fingers like so crossed yeah just like follow the show support the show uh, tell all your friends about the show because it's it's great i mean i've already texted like multiple friends to tell them that the show is absolutely great and it's totally worth watching and um so that's all we can do at this point is just you know like spread the word and keep rewatching and and you know it Hopefully, 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 hopefully we get a season two. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So yeah, it's it's great. It's such a good show. I absolutely recommend it. Um, obviously, we all got some... I have to talk about this because it's like the elephant in the room. We all got some really hard news uh, on Tuesday about Supergirl ending. Um, and I tweeted up some Uh, updates and stuff and you can always hit me up on my curious cat if you have any questions for me about what's gonna happen going forward and stuff like that um but this show teenage bounty hunters really definitely helped me out a lot over these past couple days to kind of get me out of my sadness uh, (laughs) about supergirl it's just a really fun like funny uh pick me up kind of show so i absolutely recommend it i would totally go watch it and if you've already seen it, go watch it again. I know I'm going to. I'm absolutely going to watch it again. Um, so, yeah, I 
I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I didn't really, this was kind of a last minute thing uh, to do, but I, uh, I'm i really glad I did it because I, I wanted to talk about the show. I kind of wanted to try and get some more word of mouth out there about the show um, just because it is incredible and it deserves uh, a second season. And I, I hope that it does. Like if you're watching, use the hashtag, hashtag Teenage Bounty Hunters on Twitter. Um, you know, watch it again. Like I said, recommend it to all your friends. Uh, just do what you can. And I, I hope that it does get renewed because it deserves at least a second season. It's phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so if you like this episode, you can leave me a comment down below. If you're watching on YouTube, you can tweet me at TelevisedPod. Let me know what you think. Um, on iTunes, you can leave a rating or a review. That'd be really, really cool. Um, you can follow on Spotify. You can subscribe on YouTube. Do all the things. Um, and I will see you guys next time. Bye.